Is anybody here a Christmas baby born on December 25th? Anybody? Uh, we have a few close, and I'm close too. I'm December 27th. And for me, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time of no cupcakes at school. <laughs> and it seemed like, although my parents always claimed that they were fair, it seemed like I didn't get as many presents as the other kids did because they had two holidays, and mine was kind of all clumped into one. They said they got me better toys. But you know something? My dad got his tax break. <laughs> I was his little income tax deduction. And we've been talking about surprises, and some of you have had one or more surprises during the season because you've been sharing with me. And so I asked Laura to come and to share this morning because she had a God surprise in her life. So I've just been really stressed, and about two weeks ago, um, well, we're going to be moving, and um, I have cats, and uh, you can't take more than two to an apartment, and I'm crazy. I have 11. And um, so I decided, well, then we need to try to buy a house, and that wasn't working, and so really stressed and just trusting God, though, because I do trust God. He has brought me through so many things, and so, um, but two weeks ago today, I came to church. I didn't want to get out of bed. I just felt like, ugh. Like, and anyways, I got out of bed, came to church, and was watching these kids up here. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. And I started crying. I started going back through my life going, if, 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 if. If I had done this differently, if I'd done this differently. And I just felt, like, really depressed. And so I was crying watching these kids up here. <laughs> And then um, went home, and then I was crying at home, and I had to be at work by 1.30, and I was crying, and I just wanted to quit my job, and um, just really super depressed. <laughs> and um, so I get in my car, and I drive to work, and, um, you know, you can't actually work if there's no electricity, right? I've been at my job for 10 years, and this has never happened, and I drove up to work, and the power was out, and... God gave me what I needed on that day. I had five hours to sit in my car. Oh, and I'm salaried. <laughs> so I get paid anyways, right? <laughs> so five hours, I sat in my car and called some friends, texted my daughter back and forth, had a great time, praising God, calling my friends, telling them what happened, because I felt like God gave me this five hours of rest and peace because he knew I needed it. And um, if you look... If you really look at things half full, it you can see that. You know, a lot of people don't look at it that way, but it was such a huge blessing, and, and I pray for you all that um, you'll see how God can work in your lives just in simple ways like that. So, thanks. Thank you, Laura. So 
So we've been discussing some of the surprises, the people in the Christmas story and how God surprised them. And today we continue with our series of God surprises and look for a surprise today in our text. Uh, I pray that this has been more than just a sermon series for you. I pray and hope that you've been inviting the Lord to surprise you, to come into your life in a dramatic new way, to enliven and quicken perhaps a season of the year that's become kind of blah and plain for you. And so I hope that God will be invited in to do something new and something wonderful in your life. And so, who gets surprised today? Hmm, let's pray and invite God into our conversation. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts truly be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. For Jesus' sake, amen. Did you hear it this morning as our text was read? Did you see the surprises in the story? It's not explicitly stated in the text, but I could perhaps take a little poetic license and imagine that little John was a little surprised when a guy came at him with a knife to circumcise him. But today's text isn't much about one person in the story. It's about a group of people. It's about family. It's about neighbors. It's about friends that gather around this miraculous birth. And we read about that in verse 58 of our text. It says, her neighbors, Elizabeth, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. They shared her joy. And God wants to surprise each of us. He wants to have a junction with us that we would see his work, his hand, in miraculous ways. And one of the things I've become convinced of during this season of the year as I've been looking for God's surprises and God's sightings is that there's a lot of little ways that he does it that sometimes I'm not aware of because I'm just not paying attention and I'm not thinking about my Lord and how he's directing in my life. Somebody wants to find miracles as uh, coincidences, I'm sorry, as God's little miracles that he does anonymously. And I think there's times when in our own lives that we miss out on some of the surprises that he loves to do in his relationship with you. So, do you also know God very well? And do you want to be used by him? Something for us to think about as we look at the characters of this story. You are each uniquely qualified to be God's children and God's witnesses. Did you ever realize that? Each one of you has unique qualifications to share good news, to bring God's surprises into other people's lives as well. Uh, Let me give you a few examples. You have a next-door neighbor or a neighbor a couple doors down and so on that I don't have because you're in a different neighborhood than I am. Okay, And you drive with people in the carpool or on the bus or on the train and so on that I don't get a chance to ride with. Or you go to school or you go to work uh, with people that I don't encounter in my day-to-day life. Or you do curves or LA Fitness or the YMCA and exercise with people that I don't get a chance to mingle with. And the list goes on and on. You are each uniquely placed to share good news this Christmas season with somebody else whose life may be anything but good news. Are you willing? Are you willing? 
And if so, our text, I believe, offers some pointers for us as to how to go about this. The first one is that each of us must be patient. We must be patient. In verse 57, it says, When it was time. When it was time. The Living Bible translated, The waiting was over. The period of waiting has gone by. And on the surface, it seems obvious. Well, you're pregnant, and you're going to be pregnant for approximately nine months, give or take, and then the baby's going to come. But I think there's a very much deeper, deeper meaning. Recall for a moment, Elizabeth probably dreamed of having a child since she was a very little girl, because that was something that culturally, every girl's dream was to get married and to have children. And on... But it wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet. Then she gets married, and she experiences the longings of a wife who wants to be a mother and to mother children. But it wasn't time. The years drift by, no kids, just longings, longings of her heart, becoming impassioned prayers because the biological clock is ticking. But it wasn't time. Then old age sets in. Around the corner, we can feel it coming on. I can feel it coming on. And her prayers becoming more frustrated, perhaps, less hopeful, thinking that maybe it's not going to be. But it wasn't time. Then she's old. She's resigned to the fact that she'd never feel a baby inside her womb. She'd never experience the joy of birthing because it wasn't time. And then, then, after all this waiting, all this time, all this prayer, all this building, all this releasing, the surprising, amazing announcement to Zechariah and Elizabeth, now it is time when the time is come. She's going to have a baby when the time came. She gave birth when the time was there. All the waiting was over. She gave birth to a son. And maybe you've invited somebody to church during this season, as we've been encouraging you to do. And you wanted to share good news or share about Jesus with somebody, but maybe it wasn't quite the time. Elizabeth's lesson to me is, number one, don't give up. The temptation is just to kind of give up. Ah, we tried, you know, didn't work. Or to stop inviting. We get, so we feel like, ah, nobody's going to come, nobody's ever going to respond, so we stop inviting people. Or we lose heart. Or we lose hope. And another thing I saw Elizabeth do was to be patient. To be patient. Don't force it. God will lead and direct you as to how to share good news with others. How to be invitational with others. Because when it's time, when God's providence, and when their receptiveness, and when your obedience, when those converge, then is the time, and they'll have their surprise from the Lord. The second pointer that I see in our text is that you may have to buck your culture. You may have to buck your culture. Names were kind of a big deal back in Bible times. Names were very, very important. They took on very serious and meaningful symbols in Jewish culture. Today, we often go for kind of the oddest or more use, most unique name. 
or we go for names that maybe uh, we haven't given much thought to at all. I can remember I served with a pastor, uh, Pastor Chuck Anderson, and he used to collect people's names out of the obituary, things, uh, names that kind of struck him as humorous or funny. He was going to publish a book someday. I don't know if he'll get to it or not. But there were two women in this, the community of Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, named Ima and Yura. And <clears throat> these two women, one, Yura died first, and then Ima died, but their last name was Pig, P-I-G-G. Uh, and you can imagine first grade, you know, their teacher asking, and what's your name, Ima? What's your last name, Pig? And the, the teacher kind of maybe taking, you know, what? And so, well, what's your name, Yura? Yura what? You're a pig. <clears throat> Might not have gone over very well with their teacher, but those were literally names in the obituaries that Pastor Chuck collected. Surprise. So in Bible times, uh, it was at least a family thing, as many times a community thing. And we read there in verses 60 and 61 of our text, it says, But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And they, who's that they? That's the friends and relatives that had gathered around to be a part of this joyous occasion. It says that they <clears throat> um, uh, were surprised, were in awe over this. There's no one among your relatives na- uh, with this name. Why would you name him John? And when they saw that they weren't getting anywhere with Elizabeth, Then they turn to Zechariah in verse 62 of our text, and he calls for a tablet, and he writes out, his name will be John. And they are thunderstruck. Here is this baby with a special name, a name not decided by collective, but by the Lord. And so verse 64, surprise, Zechariah's tongue gets loosened after nine months of silence, and Elizabeth, just praising the Lord for that, um, the voice comes back, the speech comes back. Surprise. And what did he do? He praised the Lord. He praised the Lord. He writes this song, this poem of praise to his God. And then in verse 67 of our text, it says, His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Just like Elizabeth had experienced back in verse 41 when she was experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, now Zechariah senses this filling with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 65, all the neighbors and friends and family are just blown away. They're astounded. They are in awe. First at the miracle of the baby being born to an elderly couple. Second, then at the naming of this baby. And now at Zechariah's worship and his speech had come back fully. Why? Because Zach and Liz were willing to buck the culture. You may have to buck your culture. The definition, by the way, of buck is to resist, to oppose obstinately. Buck the status quo. That's tough in our culture. That's so tough, so hard in our culture. To buck the way we've always done it. Why? In order to be obedient. In order to serve our Lord, to do a new thing. Surprise! On a night some uh, time back, I was going to visit a friend, and I was driving through Redmond on a one-way road, and all of a sudden I saw these headlights coming at me. And I quick checked and saw a one-way sign. No, I'm going the right way. Somebody else isn't, though. 
And they were kind of coming at me, and you can imagine my astonishment. And I'm concerned about not getting hit, but I'm also concerned because there's a guy right on my rear bumper that if I quick dodge her, he's going to get slammed. And I'm trying to think, how can I roll down my window? I waved my hand, flashed my lights, did all sorts of things to kind of get her attention uh, and to change lines, uh, uh, lanes and so on. And uh, all of a sudden, then she must have seen it, and she pulled off into a parking lot. And so I just touch base with her, see if she's okay and whatnot, but accident averted. Folks, there are moments when we feel like that woman must have felt. These headlights coming at you when they shouldn't be. And when are we going to uh, go against the traffic of our culture, bucking the status quo? It seems like some things that we think or we act differently than everyone we know because everybody else is doing it. At least that's what we say. But God wants us to do it His way. His way. We need to be obedient to our Lord. Even when God goes against uh, the tide of public opinion or against the world's conventional wisdom or bucks the world's political correctness, and you may be asking, well, aren't we supposed to kind of fit in? Aren't we supposed to kind of fit into our culture? I think we as American Christians sometimes have fit in all too well. And without a program, we can't tell who's on whose team. I think the world is hungry for conviction. I think the world and people around us are thirsting for truth, thirsting for values, thirsting for some principles to live by. They've tried all the culture's answers, but it hasn't satisfied. It hasn't gone deep enough. It hasn't addressed the real core needs that we may be experiencing. And even when it seems that you're losing popularity, God might surprise you with opportunities, Holy Spirit moments to break in with good news that these people have been looking for and not able to find. I, I, a few years back, did a kind of a non-scientific survey. I went about asking uh, youth groups and youth pastors and uh, uh, Christian youth and so on, if they were watching a TV show that was on about seven, eight years ago, I think, uh, Joan of Arcadia, and if they were watching it on TV and so on, and I was astonished that most of the Christian young people I talked to weren't watching the TV show. And so I got to thinking a little bit about that, and I decided, well, I'm going to go and spend a couple of hours of research at the mall after school let out. And so I did that, and I asked two questions. The first question was, do you go to church? And that kind of helped me sort out those that were Christian or at least had exposure to that and those who were unchurched and uh, perhaps not Christian. And uh, and then after they answered that question, then I asked them, do you watch Joan of Arcadia, the TV show? And what I found out is that of the no's, in other words, no, they don't go to a church uh, at all, uh, that 75% of them watch Joan of Arcadia. And that the vast majority of them, uh, as one boy put it to, to talk to me, they really dig it. Um, they, they really got into it. Of the yeses, those who did go to church, only about 20% watched the show. And the majority of them didn't care for it very much. And I tried to think that through. Why? What's that about? And I want you to think for a moment. How might God challenge you to buck the culture? Maybe not going to the party where you know it's trouble because the parents aren't going to be there or it's being held at some college student's house. Or maybe, you know, 
not, uh, doing your uh, homework ahead of time so that you're able to go to youth group. Or, or maybe it's not staying up so late on Saturday night so that you will feel like worshiping your Lord on Sunday morning. Or maybe it's not thinking you're so much better than those people. Or maybe when your neighborhood association says no because you wanted to set up this nativity crash in your front yard. Or maybe it's your parent-teacher organization pushing for a curriculum that doesn't share your values. Or maybe it's when everyone at work steals office supplies, but you won't do that. You won't give in to that because everybody else is doing it. Or maybe it's your friends think that sex or an affair is okay whenever you want it. What's the big deal? Or, or when you refuse to spend yourself into debt and just keep up with the Joneses and your neighbors. By the way, Financial Peace University coming January 12th. If you're having some financial difficulties, sign up for it. It's an excellent program that can help you get things back in line again and to have a much better marriage relationship, among other things. So how might you buck the culture in which we live in obedience to your Lord? And that brings up the third point. You may have to speak. You may have to talk. You may have to share Want your neighbors, your work colleagues, your fellow students, your friends to get a God surprise this Christmas? You may have to speak up and be the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit. In verse 64 of our text, it says, Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. How often is praise on our lips? Praise of our Lord God. Nine long months, Zechariah hadn't uttered a word. Now, the neighbors were filled with awe, which is Greek for being flabbergasted. Have you heard or said this? Oh, I witnessed through my life. Well, sure, I hope so. I hope you're living more and more like Christ. I hope people do see a difference in your life. But you know something? They need your voice as well. They need to hear the good news of God. They need to know why it is that you live differently, why it is you buck your culture. We all, like Zechariah, need to be nudged out of our muteness. We need to speak God's good news. We need to have our tongues loosened. Have you ever spoken a word about Jesus and about your relationship with him, with one of your neighbors or one of your coworkers or one of your fellow students? We've kind of adopted a little motto in my time as your lead pastor, each one reach one. If each one of us took that seriously to reach one other person with the good news of Christ, we'd have to have four services. We'd have to have four services. Oh, what a dilemma, what a problem. That would be just terrible, wouldn't it? To see people happy in Christ, to see people's lives come together, to see relationships mended, to see physical healing because they are not stressed out the way they were, that they see God as an answer to their life. If you are at somebody's deathbed, life is quickly draining away, will they say to you, thanks so much for sharing with me about Christ? Or will they say, why didn't you ever tell me about Jesus? you're not sure what to say or you feel like you don't know enough to say anything yet, 
The Holy Spirit does, and the Holy Spirit is within us and will empower us and loosen our lips, will cure our muteness, and will give us words to say if we just trust. And if you're not sure what to say or you feel like you don't know enough, pray that God will give you the words, that he will give you the strength, the courage to go ahead and share about this Jesus that you love. And if you're not sure how much you love Jesus, then maybe you've got to start looking here and build your relationship with your Lord. The question isn't if you're able. The question isn't if you're capable. The question is, are you willing? Christmas is a perfect season because people are a little more inclined to say yes to the invitation. They're a little bit curious and wondering about this other side of Christmas and what it means. So, will you let God surprise your neighbors through you this Christmas? Will you dare to hand out the Christmas Eve flyer, the services that are in the racks in front of you, to take one of those along and to commit yourself to that God will give you somebody to pass this out to? Let's pray. God, thank you for these people that you work through to create one of the incredible miracles of all time, the birth of your son as a gift to each of us in order to restore and mend our relationship with you. Thank you for that. But Father, you've also chosen us who know you as Lord and Savior. You've chosen us to be your mouthpieces to share your good news with others to share joy, to share praise, to share in the giving of our tithes and our offerings, but most importantly, the giving of our life and service to you. Thank you, Father. Empower, embolden us. In your name we pray. Amen. The usher-